0: Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to Commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's July 31st, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Shopify releases its summer editions. UPS agrees to terms with Teamsters. Austin Consulting Group's latest supply chain benchmarking report. What's with all the rebranding lately? And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains seven items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Shopify releases its summer editions. Last week, Shopify published its biannual marketing release called Shopify Editions which represents a few new announcements as well as a recap of the major updates in the last six months. A few surprises are lurking in here. Earlier this year, I framed Shopify's future in terms of three major directions. First, Shopify the entrepreneurship company. Second, Shopify the payments and services company. And third, Shopify the enterprise software company. Well, right now, direction one entrepreneurship is winning and second place is still far away. This release only reinforces that focus. There are three primary areas to discuss about the summer editions, entrepreneurs, platform, and longer-term bets. As far as features for entrepreneurs in this release, let's start with AI since that is definitely the headliner, including Sidekick and Magic. Sidekick is Shopify's AI assistant that you can ask questions to and get things done with. Magic is Shopify's way to help merchants with various tasks where you need to generate emails, titles, attributes, frequently asked questions, and other places in the UI where large-language models can make your life just a little bit easier. I've written about Shopify Magic and Sidekick previously. The technology which powers it is incredible, and like everyone else, there's a lot to like about ChatGPT. Ultimately, AI could end up being a double-edged sword for merchants, however. Shopify views AI, rightly so, as a critical enabling technology. These are designed to make the life of the Shopify merchant faster and easier. And it could. But just how much, though, is the question? Well, the jury's still out. Notably absent from much of the discussion about AI are metrics about its efficacy and revenue improvement or cost reduction. On one hand, the worst case scenario for Shopify merchants is that these changes end up being a way for Shopify to lower its costs to serve customers by reducing its support and service teams. I've read a report that a SaaS company in India has already replaced 90% of its support teams with generative AI chatbots. It's just beginning, folks, and it's a copycat world. And those who don't feel that Shopify's management could be influenced by what Twitter, Meta, and Google are doing are kidding themselves. Even Sam Altman is talking about this topic now. But let's be clear, exactly zero Shopify merchants would look forward to hearing that the company's support and service coverage might trend downwards due to AI. On the other hand, if generative AI is going to be a way for companies to improve their businesses faster and Shopify is ahead of this curve, then merchants themselves will benefit. Look, I don't want to be too much of a downer here, but it's hard not to think that some of the biggest benefits of generative AI will flow to Google, Amazon, and Meta. It does leave you wondering if SaaS providers generally will be able to benefit from the ChatGPT revolution in a meaningful way. In addition to AI, another big splash in this release is what Shopify calls Marketplace Connect. This one surprised me, especially given Shopify's contentious relationship with Amazon. The feature allows merchants to integrate their products into marketplaces like Amazon, Walmart, eBay, and Etsy. Under the covers, it definitely appears that Shopify didn't develop this themselves. If you read the Marketplace Connect page, it is powered by Codisto. Codisto is a third-party developer who had previously developed a connector between Shopify and Amazon, but that's not all. There appears to be some kind of transition happening here and a set of frequently asked questions that this observer could easily interpret as an acquisition. The same seems to be indicated by Codisto's website. What's more, Marketplace Connect is now also present on Shopify's pricing page. I put this in the section for entrepreneurs because there have always been ways to connect for Amazon for the past 20 years. If you're a medium to larger merchant, you have options. This officially s- supported app makes it just a little bit easier. Historically, most providers vastly underestimate what it actually takes to integrate with Amazon. I often find these kind of apps provided by platforms and even the marketplaces themselves useful for only the smallest businesses. Most growing merchants need something more dedicated. Is Codisto able to keep up with larger industry players? That remains to be seen. Lastly, While Shopify has cooperated with Facebook, Google, TikTok, and others over its history, the relationship with Amazon has always been kind of love-hate. This makes it clear that the Rebel Alliance and the Empire have officially recognized each other's diplomatic status and have exchanged ambassadors. Another update that could be another source of revenue for Shopify is Shopify Credit. This is a business charge card that helps users organize expenses. Since Stripe released their charge card program for its Stripe issuing product, it was only a matter of time before this came to Shopify. We talked about this a month or so ago on this podcast. But again, this is more of a product for entrepreneurs and replaces functionality they could get with Intuit QuickBooks. I would continue to watch this space here because all Shopify needs to do is develop or acquire an accounting package to be an all-in-one competitor to Intuit. And regarding the narrative I used to open this section, this item could be put in the payments and financial services bucket. But of course, it's clear that with regards to Shopify's focus, its financial services products are in service of retail entrepreneurs. Regarding the core platform, there are a few things to discuss. My favorite first, bundles. Bundles is one of my favorite new features and allows you to group multiple SKUs or quantities of SKUs into a fixed bundle or a multi-pack. People might wonder why bundles are essential. Well, let me tell you why. The core of any merchant's business is inventory. Suppose merchants need to create new SKUs and assign inventory to them and allocate it. That limits their sales potential because those products may not be able to commit elsewhere. However, if a merchant or a consumer can create bundles from SKUs and variants, then the sales potential is increased. The implications of this feature extend throughout the entire platform because it is a foundational capability. Bundles can also make it easier for customers to shop at an unfamiliar store by creating purchase options at different stages of a buyer's adoption journey. There are B2B features in this release as well, but to me, there are a few types of B2B companies. There are direct consumer businesses that are trying to establish a B2B channel. Then there are manufacturers and distributors who are trying to use digital tools to become easier to do business with, lower their costs, and grow their sales. Private equity in particular has especially active in the B2B market over the past few years, working to transform old school businesses into digital ones. Shopify's new B2B features, which include volume pricing, quick order lists, quoting enabled by draft orders, among other things, still seem centered around direct-to-consumer oriented businesses that want to add a channel. The pace of B2B innovation and flexibility does not yet match its competition, all of whom had a head start at the company. Checkout extensions is another area where Shopify made some improvements as well. These extensions have reached general availability. These extensions are the future for all merchants and developers to customize a Shopify checkout now that checkout.liquid is being deprecated. I won't belabor this one too much, but it's actually hard to overstate its importance in Shopify's enterprise direction other than some foundational platform elements mentioned here, which didn't get much press in this release. Checkout and payments is the heart of Shopify's enterprise strategy at the moment, so this kind of customizability is tablespace for Shopify. As far as longer-term bets, I thought it would talk about Shop App a little bit here. Shopify also released some updates to the stores within Shop App to make it easier for merchants to engage with customers. The jury's still out on Shop App and I just don't see it being a material channel for soon that the average merchant compared to social media, Hello TikTok Shop, Amazon, or their Shopify store. For smaller merchants, I mean, why not be there, but what about larger merchants? Those merchants would be better off with their own app, not within the four walls of the Shop App. I'm still trying to figure out what really is happening here. Each month, I feel like I could easily wake up and see Shopify and Shop App experiment. As much as I could see Shopify doubles down on Shop App, we're undoubtedly in the messy middle of their investment plans with the Shop App. Wrapping up, this edition clarifies that despite payments and enterprise software being new initiatives for Shopify, home is where the heart is, and the heart of Shopify is entrepreneurs. That's not to say its financial solutions aren't important, and you might actually say they're the entire business model, but they'll never be quite as crucial as entrepreneurs are to the firm. Even the casual observer can't help but notice that the sheer volume of features being released. But therein lies some tension. Shopify is about simplicity. Yet a relentless pace of new features brings complexity of organization, maintenance, not to mention merchant and partner adoption. Managing this type of complexity takes much more than the crafter centric historical focus of Shopify. Being able to channel that complexity into something easy to adopt will remain an area to watch going forward. Our second story UPS agrees to terms with Teamsters. You have to forgive me, Watsonians, if I haven't followed every detail of the Teamsters negotiations with UPS. Up until this point, it just seemed like a battle focused mostly on news reports and press releases. Here's what I knew for sure going into this. One, UPS CEO Carol Tomei is one of the best executives you'll find in the Fortune 500 company, like a real adult running a company which is hard to find sometimes. She came into UPS from the beginning with an attitude that was committed to finding a win for all sides. Two, the Teamsters president, Sean O'Brien, and the entire Teamsters union were very salty from the last UPS negotiations, and Sean O'Brien is a fourth-generation union man, and as a new president, was not going to back down until he got what he wanted from UPS, and in my opinion, was willing to risk a strike to do it. I don't think it's clear-cut here who won and who lost. In terms of the agreement themselves, it would seem that the Teamsters got everything they wanted out of UPS. In this case, the terms include, first... This is a five-year deal, which will continue until the end of 2028. This may seem like a long time, but 2028 is actually right around the corner. The deal included pay raises for both full-time and hourly workers of up to $750 per hour for the next five years. Notably, existing part-time workers need to be moved up to $21 per hour, which was a key point in negotiations. This same $21 rate will apply for new part-time workers as well. All delivery vehicles will now get air conditioning, which is surprising was another contentious part of the negotiations from all the reports. Overall, it seems like it's a deal that the union can really be happy about, which is great for UPS workers. Of course, that will have a big impact on UPS's bottom line. And in that case, it's almost like, be careful what you wish for. While UPS can guarantee benefits and pay for the workers that are there, this is not a government job situation where you can't fire people. If you look at the arc of fulfillment, robotics and AI in the past five years and into the next 10 years, let's be honest, it's not looking good for the humans. The future of logistics is automation and no union contract can stop that tide. This observer feels that this is what UPS's calculation was in the long term. Give the unions what they want to declare victory, but continue to optimize, streamline, and automate the facilities and network in order to reduce the need for labor in the first place. If union jobs are slowly replaced by robot jobs to offset all the cost increases that happen as part of this deal, it may not seem like such a big victory in five years. This isn't quite over yet as UPS employees still need to vote on it, but this seems like mission accomplished for both sides at the moment as both sides are likely to sign it, declare victory and move on. Our third story. Boston Consulting Group's latest supply chain benchmarking report. I was able to preview a copy of BCG's recent report on the consumer packaged goods supply chain, and I thought I would share some of the findings with you in the audience. This was published by the Food Industry Association. Here are my top takeaways from the analytics dense report, which contains a lot of statistical information and quartiles about in stock, warehouse, and network performance. First, supply chain service should improve throughout the rest of 2023. A lot of this is because of decreased demand. Lower demand creates more slack in the system, which allows for faster transportation with fewer hiccups. Lower demand causes pressure on the system in a lot of other ways, however, as we see in my second point, which is most retailers and suppliers are looking for cost optimizations now. With the increasing investor and Wall Street focus on profitability and the cost of capital, most supply chain leaders are still in cost optimization mode. This goes doubly for the industry after the latest Teamsters Agreement promises to increase the cost of labor over the next five years. This is a good reminder for technology and service businesses that are serving brands and retailers in the CPG sector. Of course, you need to deliver a better customer experience, but if you can't realize cost savings at the same time, it could be much harder to sell. Automation and accuracy are some of the greatest supply chain leverage points that will hold down cost increases and the need for additional labor. What makes this worse is my third point. CPGs continue to struggle with passing along cost increases. Some of the stats from the report indicate that 48% of brands are able to pass through less than 40% of their cost increases. A quarter of these brands are able to pass through at least 41 to 80% of cost increases, and only 25% of brands are able to pass through more than 81% of their cost increases to retailers and to customers. Retailers continue to push back heavily on accepting price increases from suppliers, which means that suppliers are continuously looking for cost improvements to make up the difference. Ultimately, continued soft demand in the CPG sector, combined with the unwillingness of retailers to absorb cost increases, means that consumers may not be suffering from inflation as much as before. However, CPG brands that are supplying retailers definitely are. And our last story, what's with all the rebranding lately? In the past few years, we've had brands with a tremendous amount of equity being torn down without much forethought. Facebook rebranded to Meta, Twitter to X, HBO to Max. Oscar Mayer even rebranded the Wienermobile to the All B. Frankmobile. Seriously, look it up. Regardless of what you thought about the businesses themselves, one of the most difficult transitions in the life of a company is its name. It's one of those one way door decisions identified by Jeff Bezos. Just be glad he didn't actually name the company Relentless. If there's any Silicon Valley adage which I think has caused more damage to startups than any other, it's this, which is attributed to Mark Zuckerberg move fast and break things. Legions of startup founders interpreted this as taking risky and chaotic actions for all types of decisions just because it's a big move. Sadly, these types of big moves are the decisions that need a greater degree of thought those one way doors. You just have to wonder at some of these companies. What is going on in these decision-making processes? Is it as simple as the highest paid person's opinion or HIPPO, or is there something deeper going on? In case you haven't noticed, we're coming up on 2024 planning cycles for most companies. For many, early 2023 was a time of caution and the second half of 2023 looks slightly rosier. A few thoughts on thoughtfulness for your upcoming planning cycle. Maintaining optionality in your plan still seems like a great idea as a core principle. As long as interest rates remain high and they seem to be here for the next 12 months, even if they are not exactly rising 100%, costs of capital will remain high, which will continue to put a greater focus on profitability. You won't regret adding a few extra points to your gross margin or your net operating margin. In fact, it gives you more leverage in your business. Second, double down on your customer knowledge. If you haven't visited your customers in a while since COVID, it's good to get back on the road and reestablish relationships. I've always felt deeply that winning companies are the ones with the best knowledge of how their customers make decisions. Lastly, make a kill list of projects even if you can't do them all now. We all have quite a few decisions we put in place during the pandemic and maybe even before, which probably have no place going forward. Try to kill a few of them and increase your focus in the next six months and revisit the list occasionally too. Leaders often avoid making the tough call because they think employees will judge them for making a mistake. But I can't make this any more clear. Your employees already know it's a failure. As a leader, you're usually the last one to see it. But back to rebranding, I can only hope that Shopify doesn't rename itself to Sidekick as part of this AI hype cycle. In that case, maybe the cute green bag does become self-aware. Hey Watsonians, this is Rick. If you haven't joined other listeners in our online community, you're only getting half the value from this podcast. Our community contains members from all around the world discussing the most interesting topics that we cover on the show. You can join the conversation now at community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, The entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. By switching to commerce tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have seven items on the menu today. First, digital freight automation platform Raft closes Series B. If there's one sector which seems to have gotten a lot of love in the last several years, it's supply chain, which of course to all you Watsonians out there is a great thing. The core of Raft seems to be unifying communications and tasks in one place for those dealing with freight, as well as streamlining things like accounts receivable and payable. The company recently rebranded from Vector, which does it seem like anyone else. There's like a lot of rebranding going on. Second, RFID technology provider Radar raises a $30 million Series A. Maybe RFID is cool again. If there's one technology that got way ahead of itself on the hype cycle, it's RFID. Radar is attempting to rectify that. Essentially, the goal of the company is to always allow a store to know where all its inventory is in real time with the help of RFID. It also seems like the company is offering a kind of just out technology similar to what Amazon pioneered. Third, automated shop-the-look provider Stylytics acquires visual image solution WideEyes. It's been fun to watch Stylytics from almost the beginning of the company, and it's been a pretty good ride so far. Stylytics has made its name of providing shop-the-look features for fashion retailers. WideEyes is a visual image search provider and tagging provider which might indicate that Stylytics is moving into the visual search space occupied by players like Algolia and Site. Fourth, SMS platform PostScript acquires cashback provider Fondue. PostScript is one of the top providers in the mid-market to enterprise SMS market, and like Clavio and Yatpo, appears to be looking to expand. In fact, it increasingly looks like all these players are competing with each other. Fondue, which I haven't tracked that closely, is based around the idea that you should be giving out cash back to attract customers rather than providing coupon codes to audiences. Looks like audiences are responding because Fondue just found a nice exit. Fifth, Incontinence brand Attention Grace raises $2 million in seed funding. Attention Grace is a female founded and a digitally native company. The company claims that over 19 million in the US suffer from incontinence, which is a huge problem that no one seems to talk about. Attention, Grace is a certified B corporation and recently got their products in over 1,600 Walmart stores. Six, Arrive ReCommerce raises $16 million Series A. The company works with brands and 3PLs to allow them to offer their own certified retail channel. And as part of the solution, Arrive provides a storefront, operational technology, and analytics. It does not appear that this is a full service solution as there are no outsourced labor. And finally, Torch Dental raises $28 million to digitize the dental supply chain. This is a Series B round for Torch Dental, which provides practice management software for dentists, which streamlines operations and helps with inventory and procurement. Well, another day, another dental service provider gets funding, and I'm fresh out of tooth jokes that a third grader might tell. Sorry, Watsonians. Well, maybe I do have one more. What do dentists call the x-rays that take a patient's teeth? Give up? Toothpicks. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montekin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, Subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.